I'm Dr. Joe Esposito, and welcome to our podcast for the health of it. Remember to subscribe to our podcasts, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. The information presented on this program is not intended to take the place of your personal physician's advice, and it is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Discuss this information with your own physician or healthcare provider to determine what is right for you. Are you suffering needlessly? Dr. Joe can give you advice on how to naturally get well and stay well. Dr. Joe Esposito. Hey folks, Dr. Joe Esposito here. I am very happy you're here. We've got a lot to cover today. We've got a lot of topics we have to cover today. Um, so we're going to first talk about, is there such a thing as low-carb potatoes? The answer is yes. Supplements and autism. I see so many patients coming in with autistic children, patients coming in autistic themselves. There's one supplement specifically that seems to help dramatically with autism. Others don't. This one does. If you're a pain patient, if you've ever been in pain, how does that affect your weight? We're going to talk about how that affects the brain. Uh, cholesterol. Cholesterol is bad. Oxidized cholesterol, substantially worse. You don't even know what op- oxidized cholesterol is, and yet I bet you're eating it every day. And then if we have time, I'm not sure if we're going to. We've got a lot to cover here. Uh, we're going to talk about how your immune system is being beaten up by foods and chemicals in the environment. Because I've got a lot of questions about immunity again. It kind of faded out for a while. I'm getting a lot of questions about immunity. I want to cover that too. So, all right. So the big question is, is there such a thing as a low-carb potato? And the answer is yes. Now, it's a regular potato. But it has to be prepared a certain way. So white potatoes, just plain old white potato, has a high what's called glycemic index. And a glycemic index is the consumption, uh, if you eat these foods, it increases your risk of diabetes. So what that means is when you eat it, it raises your blood sugar. That's glycemic index. Now, normally after a meal, you want your blood sugars to gently go up and then gently come back down again. But with high glycemic foods, like let's say potatoes, uh, you get an exaggerated blood sugar spike and that leads your body to overcompensate by releasing insulin. So you eat something that's high glycemic, sugar, potatoes. Sugar goes up, body dumps insulin into the body. Insulin goes into the cells and opens up the cells to allow the sugar to be utilized by the cell as fuel. So insulin is like a key. It opens up things. Now, what happens is if you eat a lot of high sugar foods, you produce a lot of insulin, eventually the cells become insulin resistant. What does that mean? The cells can only take in so much sugar before they say, I can't take anymore. It's going to gunk up the works. I got to stop taking it. So if you keep producing a lot of insulin, the cells try, the insulin is trying to open up the cells and let the sugar in. And the cells finally say, I can't take anymore. Stop it. And it stops it. And now the sugar builds up in your blood. So you become insulin resistant. The cells resist the insulin, raising your blood sugar. And we call that type 2 diabetes. So my mother always said, if you eat too much sugar, you'll get diabetes. She was right. She didn't understand why. But yes, she was absolutely right. So potatoes spike your blood sugar. And that's a problem. I'm going to tell you how to prepare them so you have a dramatically lower reaction to it. So raise your blood sugar, insulin's released, force your blood sugars um, to lower, and then you have to get started all over again. Potatoes are a good source of potassium, vitamin C, polyphenols, nutrients, fiber. But as your blood sugar goes up, that raises triglycerides. Because what happens is your body can only process so much sugar. Any excess sugar has to go into the liver. The liver converts the sugar into glycogen. 
Glycogen is where we store sugar. It's our reserve tank. Once you fill up all the glycogen stores, and there's no place else to put it, your body has to take that glycogen or that sugar, convert it into triglycerides, and then store it as fat. So this is how sugar turns into fat. Sugar is utilized. Anything not utilized gets turned to glycogen. If it's not used as glycogen, it converts into triglycerides. Triglycerides get stored as fat. So if you come to me and you say, Dr. Joe, I have high triglycerides, it's because you're eating too much carbohydrates. It's very simple. And so what do we do? We have to lower the carbohydrate intake. I had that one time a while ago. I remember I uh, went and got blood work, and I had high triglycerides. And I thought, why do I have high triglycerides? That was really weird. And I thought, of course, what did I eat the night before? And the night before, I had a big uh, high glycemic meal. And so that's why my triglycerides were high. I straightened out my diet again. I had my blood work done again. Triglycerides were normal. So I, if I see somebody with high cholesterol, high triglycerides, I might say, I'm going to put you on medication to lower your triglycerides. What if we just stop causing the triglycerides to be high, getting to the cause of the problem, not just treating the symptoms? Make sense? Yeah. So potatoes can do that. It'll spike your blood sugar, raise your triglycerides, and it becomes a big issue. So there's bad side to potatoes because it spikes your blood sugar, and there's a good side because there's a lot of vitamins and minerals and nutrients and polyphenols and fiber. And so by eating potatoes, it doesn't necessarily help your health or hurt your health. It kind of balances out. But if we could lower that glycemic index, you get all the benefits without the raising the blood sugar and the, the negative effects. And the way we do this is really simple. You need to cook your potatoes and put them in a the refrigerator overnight. By chilling your potatoes, you lower the glycemic index even if you reheat them the next day. So from now on, I don't want you eating fresh cooked potatoes. I want you to cook them, put them in the refrigerator overnight, eat them the next day. So this will reduce the impact. We're not sure why, uh, but it changed it. Well, it changed the molecular structure. We know why. Other things you can do to reduce the glycemic index, add broccoli. If you eat two servings of cooked broccoli with your mashed potatoes, immediately cut the insulin demand by 40%. So another reason to eat your vegetables. In contrast, let's assume you have chicken breast with your potatoes. Makes it substantially worse. And if you have tuna fish with your potatoes, doubles the amounts of insulin that's being pumped out. So another reason why you want to stay away from animal proteins, because they spike your blood sugar. Even though they're proteins, they're spiking the blood sugar. So why does protein, plant protein work and animal protein not work? It's because of something called branched-chain amino acids. When you decrease the consumption of branched-chain amino acids, it improves your metabolic health. Now, if you worked out or if you work out, you might hear supplements saying you need more branched-chain amino acids. You need those to build muscle mass. Well, there may be an upside, but there's a way bigger downside. The way to build muscle mass is to put stress on a muscle. Now, you have to eat right and give the body the nutrients. I understand that. But the biggest question I got, I've been getting it for years, is, Dr. Joe, you don't eat meat. Say it with me. Where do you get your protein from? Well, your body only needs about 8 to 10% of its total caloric intake as protein. Anything beyond that is wasted and puts stress on your kidneys and your liver. It's too much, and it stimulates something called the MTOR pathway, which can cause cancer cells to form. I mean, there's a million reasons why you shouldn't be eating animal proteins. So 
if you're eating a steak, which is about 18% protein, all that extra protein is putting stress on the body. So you don't need more protein. Most people need less protein. And if you're eating good food, you're getting quality protein, less protein, and not going to have effect on the kidneys. For example, if you eat animal protein, it can, it can really tear up your kidneys if you're in kidney failure. Plant protein, no effect whatsoever. So when people come to me and say, Dr. Joe, I have kidney failure. What do I do? Cut out your animal proteins immediately. Not a, not a little, not sometimes, not tomorrow. Now. Take the stress off the kidneys so that the kidneys can stop getting beat up. But I digress. I'm talking about potatoes today. So simply chilling your potatoes cuts down the blood sugar and insulin spikes. But to get significant drops in both, you can not only chill the potatoes and eat them the next day, but add a tablespoon of vinegar. Vinegar will drop your insulin spike by another 30 to 40%. So you're on a diet. You can't eat potatoes. You're going nuts. You want to eat potatoes. Here's how you do it. Cook it, cool it, eat it the next day, have a tablespoon of vinegar with the meal. And that is if you just added plain white distilled vinegar. I like raw organic apple cider vinegar. It has more health benefits. Vinegar itself, is it vinegar or is it just the acidity? So in a test tube, they took lemon juice and that appeared to block the remarkable starch blocking effects. Uh, But you didn't know if it worked in people. We did it in people. It worked. Lemon juice worked too. You know, a couple of tablespoons of lemon juice with your potatoes worked as well, but nothing worked as well as vinegar. It's more potent, just one or two tablespoons of vinegar. You could dilute it with water if you want to, put it, mix it in with your food. Can significantly improve short and long-term blood sugar control of diabetes. Uh, And that's why a lot of clinicians are telling people to, well, a lot of smart clinicians are telling people to incorporate vinegar as part of their dietary plan for diabetics. So I just solved a lot of problems for you for weight gain, spiking your blood sugar, high triglycerides, and you get, get to eat some foods that you like. Now, whenever I eat a food that grows underground, I always want to make sure it's organic, potatoes, carrots, onions. Uh, I try to do as much organic as possible anyway, but especially anything that grows underground because the soil is saturated with a lot of toxic chemicals if it's not organic in most cases. So real simple thing you could do. And it doesn't matter how you eat the potato. If it was mashed, it was baked, it was cubed. However, as long as it's cooled, eaten the next day, add a little vinegar to it, you'll be amazed. So there's my fun tip for the day. I want to talk about autism because, changing subjects, by the way, I see so many patients with autism. And I was having dinner with someone very special the other day, and somehow autism came up. And she said, have you seen an increase in autism since you've been in practice? And my answer was a resounding yes. I've seen crazy spikes in autistic people. Now, a couple of things to play devil's advocate. I always look at the other side. Is that we're better diagnosing it. The better we are diagnosing something, the more likely we are to find positive findings. So it used to be just autism. Now there's autism spectrum. Okay, there's Asperger's, there's autism. And so you can fall on what's called the spectrum. And a lot of people fall on the spectrum because it incorporates a lot more things. So yeah, if we can say only this is autism, you're going to have X amount of people having it. If we could say this, 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 and this are autism, it's going to increase the amount. But I've seen so, when I first got in practice 37 years ago, very seldom, I don't think ever I saw children coming in with severe autism. And I'm seeing it more and more. And it breaks my heart when these little kids come in and some of them are so severe that they can't speak. 
Uh, you can't communicate with them. They throw fits. They throw themselves against the wall. They hit their head against the wall. Breaks my heart. And so I thought, what do we do for patients like this? So what I've done in the past is, of course, chiropractic care is very helpful to get the nervous system working in all patients. Uh, you, me, autistic patients, Down syndrome patients, anybody, you want to get the nervous system working. Now, with Down syndrome patients, just make sure you don't uh, get doctors to give hard adjustments in the neck. Uh, because with Down syndrome patients, sometimes uh, the atlantoaxial ligament, the ligament in your neck, uh, doesn't form as well as it does with somebody without Downs. Just a side note, going off on a tangent here. So with autism, chiropractic care, getting them off, off the junk food, uh, getting them on good supplements, it seemed to help a little bit. And in some cases, I got some really good results with it. And I wasn't quite sure why some cases were getting better results than others. So I didn't put this all together, but somebody smarter than me did. And I realized I was doing it by accident. I didn't mean to do it with some of my autistic patients, but the results were great. So vitamin C, vitamin D, omega-3, fish oils, all of these were put to the test. And we wanted to see who would get the best results or which ones would get the best results. So scientists put together studies and dietary supplements were commonly given to people with autism. I gave it to my patients with autism. One of the most common was omega-3 fatty acids because we thought omega-3 fatty acids good for the brain. I thought that too. And so they did some studies, and they found that children with autism had very low omega-3 fatty acid levels in their blood. Now, was it the low omega-3s causing autism, or was it the autism, which could have led to low omega-3s, because autistic children were picky eaters, and chances are they weren't eating foods that were high in omega-3 fatty acids. So they did the test, six months of two, 200 milligrams a day, of, a day of one of the omega-3 fatty acids called DHA, no effect. Some kids were taking it despite lack of evidence. Uh, maybe you just didn't give them enough. So they did another study with uh, 1,500 milligrams. So it went from 200 to 1,500 milligrams. High doses, no results. You put all the studies together, no results with omega-3. Now, you need omega-3 for other reasons, but we're talking here strictly about autism. Another study was done on vitamin C supplements for autistic children. And some kids got some results, some didn't. The bottom line was the, the results should not be interpreted as a blanket recommendation for vitamin C supplementation, especially at the large doses that they use. If you take large doses of vitamin C, a couple of things can happen. You increase your risk of kidney stones. A lot of people don't know that. See, I'm trying to be, get all the information I can give you on, on supplements. And also too much uh, vitamin C can give you diarrhea. Bottom line, little evidence to support the use of this nutritional supplement in children with autism but they said no supplements can help autism, but they left out one in the study, and that one was vitamin D. So vitamin D, there was clear evidence that vitamin D blood levels were significantly lower in children with autism than people who didn't have autism. Now, again, was it because they weren't outside as much? They had, they had autism. They were inside. They didn't get sunlight. They weren't eating supplemented foods. So vitamin D could have been a player, but we didn't know. So we did a test on it, and some promising reports started coming out. Uh, one two-year-old with autism had vitamin D deficiency. The autism improved with vitamin D supplementation. So we said, all right, we got to do a bigger study. They did 83 kids. 80% of the kids who took vitamin D supplementation 
improved their behavior, their eye contact, their attention span, and they concluded that vitamin D is an inexpensive, readily available, safe, and possibly effective uh, supplement for children with autism. Now, not just children, adults. I think if we tested most people, they'd fall somewhere on the the autistic spectrum, autism spectrum. So another reason why I've always said vitamin D is the most effective, least expensive insurance policy you'll ever buy. It's the cheapest insurance policy you'll ever buy is taking vitamin D. So we don't know how much improvement there was until they did put it to a test. There's a bunch of variables as to why it worked. Because, you know, whenever I look at something, I always say, why does something work? Because I always want to get to the cause of the problem. Now, it could be that it improved DNA repair. It had anti-inflammatory responses, mitochondrial protection. And so they did some randomized studies. They gave kids 5,000 international units of vitamin D a day. That's the dosage I recommend most pe- all people take. Most people, I, I can't always say all, but most. Um, and they gave them a placebo, and they gave them vitamin D. The drugs we have for autism really don't do much except deal with a couple of symptoms. And the kids, like giving kids sleeping pills because they weren't sleeping because they were autistic, well, that doesn't really treat anything. It just puts them to sleep. So the research groups around the world, they were looking for something better, and they found it with the vitamin D. Vitamin D supplementation reveals significant effects on core manifestations of autism, significant improvements in irritability, hyperactivity, and social withdrawals. And uh, uh, inappropriate speech, it also helped that, that area as well. And that was the first double-blind, randomized study ever done, and it worked. Now, if it's helping children or adults with autism, it can also have these same effects for you. It can help the mitochondria. It can help the the DNA repair. It can act as anti-inflammatory. This is why I think everybody should be taking vitamin D. Now, I take 5,000 units a day. Sounds like a lot, doesn't it? It's five drops of vitamin D. Now, on our website, drjoe.com, we have Dr. Joe's vitamin D supplement. A couple of things I want you to consider with vitamin D, and I've talked about this I know in the past, so if you've heard me say it before, I'm just saying it for the new listeners. If you take vitamin D, it does a lot of things. Mitochondria repair, anti-inflammatory, helps the brain function. But one of the things vitamin D does, it helps you absorb calcium. So if you're taking vitamin D, you can absorb calcium more efficiently. However, you need vitamin K2 to drive the calcium into the bones. So if you're just taking D3, you may, it may help other areas, but it may build up too much calcium inside what's called your soft tissues, your muscles, your blood vessels. So you want to take vitamin D3, not D2. Vitamin D3 is the natural form with vitamin K2. And on our website, drjoe.com, that's the type of vitamin D3 we have. It's liquid. It's flavorless. You can, I take it. Well, I, I, I say the minimum supplements everybody should be taking, of course, are Dr. Joe's Super Greens and Dr. Joe's Essential Source. There are two powders. I take a scoop of each every day. I can't imagine you not doing that. I don't know why you wouldn't do it. Uh, it tastes great. It's relatively inexpensive. Uh, the effects are just so long, long-reaching, far-reaching. And I put my five drops of D3 right in with my uh, Super Greens and Essential Source. Now, when you get your blood work done, I recommend you get your vitamin D levels tested because you don't want to go too high. Too high can be dangerous. But the recommended level is about, was it 30 nanograms per milliliter, 40 nanograms per milliliter? The, I don't think that's enough. I want you to go 60 to 80 nanograms per milliliter in your blood. That's the level where we see a lot of positive studies coming out. 
to help the body with immune system and viral infections. So 5,000 international units a day should be fine. Now, if you're out in the sun a lot um, and you're out and you don't shower right away, because if you're out in the sun, your body, the UVB rays interact with uh, cholesterol in your skin and create vitamin D, but then it has to be absorbed. So if you're out in the sun running the house and shower real quick, you're not going to be absorbing a lot of that vitamin D. You need to leave it on there for many hours, six, eight, 10 hours. So I take it every day. Now, if I am out in the sun for a whole day or something like that, you know, you're only supposed to be out about 20 minutes or a half hour in the sun any, every day. Anyway, I may not take it that day. But if you're taking it, it is cumulative. And I strongly advise that you consider adding that to your uh, repertoire. So the minimum supplements, I always say, with Super Green's essential source and vitamin D. And study after study after study is coming out almost every day showing that vitamin D is so valuable for so many different things. This study showed the effects 80% of the children who took it saw an impact on their, a beneficial impact on their autistic symptoms. Vitamin C, some effects. Now, if you're taking super greens, an essential source, and you're eating a lot of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, uh, chances are you don't have to take vitamin C. Too much vitamin C is not good for you. When it comes to pretty much everything in life, you want to hit the Goldilocks zone. The Goldilocks zone is not too hard, not too soft, right in the middle. And that's where we want to be with our supplements as well. You can take too many supplements. You can take too many medications. You can take, drink too much water. You can exercise too much. You certainly can worry too much. So we want to get to the cause of the problems. And the way I look at it is if you have a normally functioning nervous system, normally functioning digestive system, and good nutrition, you have a plan to help get well. Now, if you have a health issue, neck pain, back pain, shoulder pain, digestive issues, car accident injuries, please come see us right away for car accidents. Stop suffering needlessly. In the Atlanta area, we have teams of doctors in, Mar in Marietta, Duluth, Stockbridge, and West Cobb. My doctors and I would love to be your doctors. So if you'd like to make an appointment, stop suffering, go to our website, drjoe.com. By the way, you can order supplements on the website too, drjoe.com, and make an appointment to come see us. The first visit is normally $712. For our listeners and, and anyone they refer, we've reduced that cost to $299. Now, that's an exam, x-rays, consultation, first treatment, going over the x-rays on your follow-up visit, and a complete nutrition evaluation. The x-rays alone are going to cost you more than $299 anywhere else. So you're getting so much value because we want to know if you're a case that we think we can help. If we think we can help you, we're going to tell you, be prepared to continue with care if we think we can help you. Don't come in and be a tire kicker and go, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, it's great. It's wonderful, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Don't waste my time. Don't waste yours. My doctors are extremely busy. So if you'd like to make an appointment, we'd love the opportunity to see you, drjoe.com. And we accept most insurances. And if you're ever in a car accident, if the car's damaged, you're damaged. I've never seen it any other way. So you need to come see us immediately for your health care, but also for the insurances. The insurance companies do everything they can to not pay bills. And so that's their job, make money. Your job is to make sure you get your care covered, but because you have a policy. And you want to kind of avoid all the little pitfalls that they can throw out in front of you. So if you'd like to make an appointment, drjoe.com. We really want to see you and bring your kids. Because kids have spines too. And if they have pinched nerves, bones out of place, muscle spasms, disc degeneration, curvature of the spine, we want to get working on that as quickly as possible. So if you're serious about wanting to get well, drjoe.com. And please, if you make an appointment, please show up. We're very busy. And if you make an appointment and don't show up, we reserve an hour for you. You took up that time. 
I want you to follow us on social media, at Dr. Joe Esposito. Please do that. We post every single day. A couple of weeks ago, we gave away tickets to a live lecture. We've given away concert tickets. We give away supplements sometimes. DrJoe.com is our website. At Dr. Joe Esposito is our uh, handle. And if you're a podcast junkie, do this. Go to your podcast service. Type in Dr. Joe for the health of it. Dr. Joe for the health of it. Hundreds of hours of podcasts. And on our website, drjoe.com. Lots of podcasts there. Thanks for listening to For the Health of It. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, and I'll help you naturally get well and stay well. You can also listen to and call into my radio show live Sunday evenings from 7 to 9 Eastern Time on WSBRadio.com and on a WSB Radio app. It's a new day now.